Today on Your Money, Your Wealth podcast number 329, Joe and Big Al talk about the different methods that investors use to protect their assets from a potential stock market crash and earn the best possible yield. From put options and option collars to non-correlated alternative investments to an aggressively tax-managed buy-and-hold strategy allocated to meet your goals and risk tolerance. Plus, how do you measure the performance of your financial advisor? How does tax loss harvesting work? What's the tax status of health savings accounts. The fellows also discuss a Roth contribution strategy with a drop plan and a pension and whether alternative minimum tax is a concern when moving Roth funds to an annuity. And you'll want to stay with us through the derails for our first Dear Joe non-financial question. How can John in Abilene, Texas get his mother-in-law not to smoke in his car without starting a fight? If you've got a money question, random life question, comment or story, click Ask Joe and Al on air at yourmoneyyourwealth.com. I'm producer Andy Lab. And here are the hosts of Your Money, Your Wealth, Joe Anderson, CFP, and Big Al Clopine, CPA. We got Steve writes in from San Diego. Hi, Joe, Big Al, and Andy. Show's really strong these days. It wasn't so good before. <laughs> Just like it's, my portfolio. Yeah. <laughs> How's your portfolio? Strong. Strong. It's, uh, yeah, it's strong. Uh, love listening to it each week. How can I protect my stock investments against a potential market crash? Is that the question, Steve? I'm a long-term buy-and-hold investor. Assume that good portfolio management practices are already in place. Diversification, asset allocation, rebalancing, dollar cost averaging. No matter how small, no matter how small or large your stock holdings are, they are 100% exposed to market downturn. That includes mutual funds, ETFs, individual stocks. Is there a way to protect each long-term equity position? I've heard of things like trailing stop losses, put options, callers, and such. The other choices seem to be either just wait it out or try to time the top and the bottom, but that's risky. I'm looking for something in between. appreciate your thoughts. All right. Yeah, of course, you can protect on the downside. You can put stop losses in. So what a stop loss is, is that I buy a stock for $10 a share, and then you put a stop loss in. If it goes to $8 a share, you sell, you're out. It, it automatically sells. Yep. So, so you're, you're done. So you all, or I guess you could put it at nine, you know, if you buy it at $10 a share, you could put it at $9.95, maybe. Sure, right. Um, I've never bought a stop loss. Have you, Al? No, and, and my, my this is just my opinion. My, my feeling on stop losses is, is it very often just locks in a loss, right? Because <laughs> right. <clears throat> you got to buy back in. Yeah, you got to buy back in at some time. And when do you buy back in? I don't know. I, I mean, it, it seems like the all, pretty much all the research I've seen over the last five, six, seven decades will tell you that it's it's almost impossible to time the market, and those that do. Oftentimes, if not more often than not, end up in a worse case than people that just stayed in the market. So I think what you do instead, and Steve, you've already got an allocation between stock and bonds, so great. But maybe, maybe you need more bond allocation. Maybe if 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 you're very concerned about the market going down and what it's going to do your portfolio and it's going to affect your spending and your goals in the future, maybe you got too much in stocks to, to begin with. But see, the thing is, you could have done this strategy, any of these strategies. The stop loss is one of them. Um, you you could buy you could buy options. There's things you can do. But the thing is, you could have done this in 2015, and there would have been a great 
justification to do it, but then you would have missed six years of the best bull market probably in our lifetime. But even though at that time, it seemed really high. So I guess what I'm saying is I wouldn't worry too much about it. Get the right allocation, rebalance as appropriate. When the stock market goes down, it allows you to buy more in stocks because your bonds will hold their value, allowing you to recover that much more quickly. And if you look at what happened during the Great Recession, 2008, people that did that ended up recovering very quickly. So that's my thought. He doesn't like that thought, I bet. I know. He, I, wants, he wants something sexy. Well, he, he wants the sizzle. He wants protection. I, I get it. Yeah. You want to do some callers? How about, how about this? So, so, what, so I'll, I'll go another direction. What about um, more non-correlated assets? Like uh, reinsurance or something weird like that. <laughs> you go, what is liquid reinsurance? Al- liquid alts? Liquid alts, yeah. Yeah. Well, but if there's a hurricane <laughs> and uh, then you're, then you're screwed. <laughs> yeah, re, yeah, reinsurance has to do it's it's kind of like how would you describe it? Is is it kind of like insurance on top of insurance? So, yes. so if they insure the insurance companies, yeah. So so if something as long as something doesn't go terribly wrong, you make money. So it has zero correlation to the market. But if there's a gigantic hurricane or volcanic <laughs> explosion in uh in Denver, <laughs> you might not do so well with that, with that program. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You could look at something exotic, but there, there are option traders that could absolutely do this for you, Steve. Um, however, you have to look, there's a cost of saving you on the downside. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, risk and expected return are related. You can get all the funny in, you know, Alan, I believe in the boring stuff, right? So we're probably the wrong show to, to, to <laughs> yeah. answer. Probably, yeah, probably there's a better show than ours for this yeah, question. Yeah, to get all in the sophistication on put options and in, in option callers. But th- there are strategies that you could em, em, um, employ for your overall portfolio. Is but if I were to bet, if I were a betting man, you take a buy and hold strategy that's super boring, that's allocated to your specific goals, and you rebalance yeah. and you tax manage the hell out of it, and you right. have the right allocation, um, and you give it 10 years versus an option strategy, I don't know. I would yeah. be interested to see who would win. Yeah. And- Remember, what was it Warren Buffett that, that said, I bet you the hedge funds can't beat the S&P 500 oh, without for question. 10 years, and, and sure enough. He, the the S P one yeah but that's that's also B S too because he's taking a hedge fund like proxy, I mean there's some badass hedge funds out there that you and I will <laughs> never even be able to sniff at we're, we're not we're not allowed <laughs> we're not even close to being allowed, um so yeah there's a lot of really interesting strategies that you can do with your money um if you want to do some stuff with options and callers by all means. Um, go for it. Take a yeah. look at it. Look at the pros and cons. I, I guess if you're asking us, our opinion is it's not worth it. Right. I mean, because we don't know how the hell to do it. <laughs> if you ask me to put a collar on or, something, I don't know. I was like, where's your dog? Yeah, right. So, uh, Joe, do you remember Big Earn? I know Big Earn. Yeah. Kristen yeah. Jessica. Yeah. Yes, yes. He was, he's really smart, right? Yeah. And he, oh. he talked a lot about doing that. What was his website? Uh, earlyretirementnow.com. Earlyretirementnow.com. There you go, Steve. Call Big Earn. Uh, <laughs> we Big did an Earn. episode with him called How Much Can You Spend When You're on Fire? Because he was a fire guy. Oh, yeah. There you go. Got it. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. Big Earn can, can show you the way. All right. We got uh, Matt writes in. I have $100,000 
what's my safest short-term note for a 7% yield? Okay, another one for Big Earn. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell are you talking oh, about, man? There's no such thing as a safe but the investment has 7%. So I'll tell you what. So like a mortgage loan right now is you can get for three probably or, or under. Right. Right. And so, and even a jumbo loan, I don't know. What, what's that going to be? Three and a half, four. So, the, okay. So if someone is super subprime. Yeah. Someone's right. about to file bankruptcy. So if someone, and lend him money or if, her money. If someone is willing to pay you 7%, there's, there's something going on here. There's an issue. There's a risk. So we talked, we just said, we just said that risk and return are related. So you're not going to find a, a safe 7% yield, but I will give you one little tip. If, if, if you, if that wasn't a good enough answer, if you want a 7% yield, try to make sure it's secured by something like real estate, as opposed to like an unsecured loan. Right. So at least if it goes bad, you'll have something to, to go back on. I've linked to that YMYW episode number 236 with Big Earn Karsten Yeska in the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com. So how do you avoid poor investment decisions? How do you protect yourself from risk? And how do you grow your investments in all market environments? Markets are bound to fluctuate, but there are eight investing principles that will help you feel confident in your portfolio, even when the markets are volatile. It's available in the podcast show notes as well. Listen to Big Earn, read the transcript of this episode, download Download eight timeless investing principles and ask Joe and Al your money questions. You can do it all in the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com by clicking the link in the description of today's episode in your favorite podcast app. And if you dig the show, why not tell someone about it? That's the best way to thank Joe and Big Al for all the information, suggestions, and entertainment that they provide every week here on YMYW. You see where it says share post at the top of the show notes? You know what to do. I've got Pat from Houston, Texas. Hey, Andy, and those two other guys. Thanks, Pat. <laughs> Big Pat. Yeah. I love... <clears throat> Man, we're, we're just a couple guys. Yeah, I like it. that. That's all right. I'm going to lose my voice here, I think. <laughs> I love to listen to the show and appreciate your humorous and straight-shooting approach. Very informative. Uh, a recent question you guys answered reminded me of a question I have asked other CFPs, but really never got a great answer. The question you answered was from a listener that wanted to know if he should hire a CFP. I agree agree that CFPs add value, and I work with one now and plan to continue in the future. My question, how do you measure the performance of a CFP? It does not seem fair to look at portfolio performance alone as a big chunk of what a CFP does is advising during market downturns, but seems that CFPs or anyone managing money should be measured by some kind of performance standard against a market benchmark, or am I thinking about this wrong? FYI, <laughs> here's the responses I have obtained. Oh, so Pat's been asking this question a lot. So she, far. She's categorizing all the answers even. Pat could be a, a male too. Yeah, it could be. She's like Ricky. I know. I shouldn't say <laughs> I, should, I should say they, shouldn't I? Yeah. Number one. A list of factors that should uh, not be used to evaluate performance. Okay. Um, If I think I'm receiving value. Yeah. Okay. So these are the responses that he's getting. So he's asking the CFP. He's like, hey, how do I know if you're worth a grain of salt? Yeah. And the the responses, is he getting, is this what he's doing here? Yeah. He's Mm -hmm. categorizing that he's, he's must have, he or she, they. 
they pat 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 i'll just say pat pat has asked uh, a number of cfps i'm guessing because so, and then here's the categories so, so, that the responses yeah. fall into yeah yeah so we, we probably have 10 or 15 so they fall into these three so she he or she's looking for a better <laughs> just call better pat pat that's <laughs> looking i can't help it <laughs> so pat is so pat receives an answer, and it's like a list of factors that should not be used to evaluate performance. That's that's one thing. Okay. If I think I'm receiving value, I wonder, well, Pat, do you feel like you receive a value? Or a kind of vague develop <laughs> developing a relationship based on trust. Right. Seems like there should be more defined way to evaluate whether or not my CFP's performance has declined over time. So it would be interesting on your take, what would be a reasonable and objective way to measure performance? Yeah. So what do you think? How would you respond to that? Um, that's a really good question. <laughs> Does it fall into one of those three categories? No, it doesn't. Not at all. It's kind of like, um, so uh, first of all, it's like, it's like Pat's trying to do a quantitative analysis on a qualitative Factor. Yep. I, How you like that? Is that, I, that clever? I, yes, I agree with you. <laughs> You're it's using like, big like, words, and Joe actually understands them. That's pretty it's, good. It's, it's like, should I, should I, should I evaluate my spouse? How how can I measure the performance <laughs> <laughs> over the last thirty three years? I don't know. Let's I'll, see by a list of factors that I, <laughs> yeah, I shouldn't use, or or I don't know, or I'm receiving value. I don't know. Are you? <laughs> I am, by the way. So, yeah, there you go. <laughs> I, I think it, I mean, the answers are this, is if you're hiring an advisor, right, and if all of they're doing is managing your money, and if they're using a globally diversified portfolio, um, you know, it's really hard to measure anything else because they're not really doing a lot for you. Yeah. So that is your measure in that case. Right. Then you would measure that CFP based on a certain benchmark on performance. So if they're not doing anything else but managing your money, then for sure, measure them on a benchmark. You know, look at what is it globally diversified or is it more you domestic? Is it yeah. international? Whatever. And then just gauge it on the benchmark. And if they're outpacing the benchmark, then keep them. If they're not outpacing the benchmark, then fire them. Yeah. And and if that's all they're doing for you and you're the type of person that you don't really care if the market goes up and down, you're going to stay put, then maybe there's not a ton of value for you because once you've got the portfolio, you might just maybe once or twice a year, look at the portfolio and rebalance it, but you'd be in a pretty similar situation. But for most people, they freak out when the market is going down or they get too optimistic when the market's going up and they buy and sell at the wrong times. Right. And, uh, you know, this whole thing based on trust and all that, I mean, that's just a BS way to, to avoid the question. Well, do you trust me? <laughs> you know, uh, right. but the, the person's got to be somewhat smart in this industry. Sure. Right? They have to understand tax law. They have to understand how to create income. They have to understand rebalancing tax law, harvesting, asset location. There's so many different things that they should be doing for you on an ongoing basis. If, if, if you call them and they don't respond within, you know, 24 hours, then if, if you have an issue that they can't explain to you in, in, a, in a way that you totally understand and feel comfortable with, I mean, there's all sorts of ways that you can measure this. Um, but it, it really depends on what they're doing. There's a lot of people out there that call themselves certified financial planners. No offense to any certified financial planner out there, but Al and I have interviewed a lot of them and they don't really understand financial planning. You know, they were able to take a very difficult test, uh, but they're not really applying it. 
uh, applying it in their day-to-day or work. So maybe they're, it, it, it is hard to evaluate. Yeah. And, I, and I'm going to add this, Joe. So, so we help a lot of our clients save taxes over their lifetime, but that's very hard to compute in a percentage, right? Because it's like, I want you to do a Roth conversion because you're going to save more taxes in retirement, which is like 18 years from now. So it's like, I want you to pay more taxes this year, more taxes next year. So if you just look at that, it's like, I'm actually going backwards. I'm, not, right? I'm losing money. I'm here. losing money from but if you look at over a lifetime, and, and that's the best way we can think about it, is, is you run projections over a lifetime and look at how much better you're in a situation. But it's hard to, to put that in terms of a rate of return. Yeah. Um, you know, another thing, too, Al, th- there's ways that certified financial planners or any advisor could do that going through financial planning software, let's say. Sure. Because we'll run through what if scenarios. Here's where your current situation is sits today. And use the same assumption as rate of return, inflation, death, blah, blah, blah. And if you follow our recommendations in regards to this um, for your cash flow, this for income generation, uh, this for tax strategies and so on, uh, pay off your mortgage, don't pay off your mortgage, you know, things like that. You could see a drastic change in the overall net worth of the overall client. Sure. Uh, So that's probably one way to do it. But it, it's hard to gauge that against any other advisor. Right. You know what I mean? If, 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 if I was with a different advisor, would I be in a different situation? Sure. Here's my answer. If you're not with me, the answer is yes, you would be in a lot worse situation. Right. So Andy, then throw out our number and ask them to call. <laughs> 888-994-6257. Well, so here's another little wrinkle on that. So a lot of times we'll sit down with a, a an individual or couple and show them that, you know what? You've got plenty to retire, spend more. And so, you know what? They spend more. So they actually aren't end up in a worse spot, but they had a better quality of life. And that's, how do you measure that? Yeah. I I think Pat has an advisor that Pat doesn't necessarily like. Yeah. And it's like, how do I gauge this advisor? There's got to be a metrics, right. you know, what, how do I give this person a grade? Right. Cause we, we've been graded our whole life. Sure. A through F, you know, I, I got a C on that one, you know, then, you know, who got an A. All right. Well, I would rather go with the person that got the A than the F. Right. You know, So I it, guess we, we should what, start, look- hard, you know, maybe what you, maybe you're onto something. Maybe we should all have 10 advisors. Then we could grade them all. Each <laughs> maybe. And then after five years, we pick the ones that get A's. I, I, I don't know. I guess it, it goes back to kind of, you know, your question. That's why I've been single forever. It's like, well, man, well, this one's <laughs> nice, but is there something better out there? Is there something better out there? I don't know. <laughs> you haven't figured out how to do that quantitative analysis. I haven't found out yet. So that's why my, my, I, I have tested. I got to test it. You got, know? it got it. So, all right. Um, hi, Andy, Joe, and Grande Al. Like it. I'm John from. Abilene. Yes, Joe, you mispronounced it the last time. Last time you said Abilene. But Abilene is right. See? Abilene is correct. That was perfect. Yeah, you, you, you learned. Yes. You, you learned. You can learn. <laughs> it can learn. Uh, I have a question about HSAs, health okay. savings account. All right. Um, I thought after 59 and a half, I could use my HSA just like a Roth for tax-free income. But I recently saw a post that said, it was after 65, your withdrawals used for anything but medical will be taxes or any income. I'm lost. Thanks. <laughs> P.S. Joe, you said on episode 326, you want to start giving random life advice. You're Joe. 
Yeah. All right. Well, let's hold on to that. Question. Yeah, we'll come back to that. That's for the first question. Oh, interesting. This can be fun. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Here we go. John from Abilene. Um, so th- th- the post that you that you read was right. Yeah, it was, it was right. So first of all, you, you the only way you get money tax free out of an HSA is to use it for medical expenses, which, by the way, you can do anytime throughout your life, age 30, age 50, age 70, whatever. But what you're thinking of is it, it you if you pull money out before age 65 in in an HSA and use it for something other than medical, you have to pay ordinary income taxes and a 20% penalty. Once you hit age 65, you can still do the same thing and you pay ordinary income taxes, but you don't have the 20% penalty. So here's the deal with HSAs, right? The dollars that you put in, you can put up individuals 30, what, 3,500 bucks and 7,100, something like that. Yeah, something there. Okay. Um, into the HSA, it's pre-tax. It grows tax deferred, and you can pull it out tax-free. So it's a triple tax whammy. Yeah, you, you get yeah, you get a deduction as long as you use it for medical, right? Deduction, deferral, and tax-free on the way out. Right. So it's pretty cool. Right. But if you do not use it for medical expenses, it doesn't turn into um, a Roth IRA. It turns into an IRA. Right. So the IRA, it it is taxed as ordinary income because you've got a tax deduction going in. Sure. So if you're not using it for medical expenses, it will come out as ordinary income at age 65. And by the way, you cannot contribute to an HSA after age 65 or what's right. your Medicare el- eligible. But you could almost think of it after age 65. It's, it's like a combination of a Roth and a IRA, because if you pull money out for medical, it is tax-free just like a Roth. But if you pull it out for anything non-medical, it's taxed just like an IRA. So it's kind of a kind of somewhere in between. Um, all right. What the hell is this? Hello, Java. <laughs> oh, I guess if you read, it says Joe is the man. And then, but it's every line starts with J for Joe, O for, of course, E, e for ever knowing and omnipotent. What the hell is omnipotent again? It's like you're godly. (laughs) Yeah, I like it. Uh, In all the podcasts about money, S is for how is always. No, your show is always the best. Happy people, educational, and making finances fun. And now my questions. But the first letter of each line is J-O-E-I-S. Joe is T-H-E, the. M-A-N. Joe is the man. Very clever. Yeah. Can't argue. Yeah. <laughs> I can't argue that. Um, oh, we lost the Andy. Yeah, but we're still recording. Uh, I have been deprived of your podcast since it's only once a week. So I started watching <laughs> the season six of your t- YouTube show. Yeah, so really, uh, Will, have you watched, have you listened to every podcast? Because we have over 300. We have more than that. I know we do. Um on episode two, you talked about tax loss harvesting. I get the concept, or maybe not. <laughs> in your example, you bought at around $30. And if you sell it at around 36, it means you have a gain of $6. But the example strategy was buy at 30, sell around 17, buy something similar at 17, and then sell at 36, creating a loss of 13 and a gain of 19. 
which is a total of six on the surface. Is that the same? It is the same. Yes, it is the same. So what he's saying is that, all right, if if you have a, a stock at $30 a share, it goes to 15, you sell, you buy something similar, and it goes back up to 30 and you sell it. There's no there's yeah. no gain. So what was the point? What's the point? Why are you doing all this stupid stuff? <laughs> because most of us have more than one stock. Yes. Right? So you sell certain positions to create a loss so that when you pull money out of other positions that have gone up in value, you don't have to pay tax on them. Yeah. And then you, you harvest the losses. Because unless you only have that one security, and you're going to sell it 100%, then yeah. it doesn't make any sense to do it. Then then don't do it. Yeah, and I think that's where people get tripped up. And it, the, the analysis is correct. I mean, you end up in the same spot. But what they're forgetting is more, you should have more than one investment, right? And that's the whole point here. Is the strategy being able to use the loss of 13 at full tax rate and only pay on the 19 at capital gains rate? No, the loss is a loss against capital gains. So if you have a capital loss, it will offset capital gains dollar for dollar, but a capital loss will offset ordinary income up to $3,000. Sure. Um, Do you think, I know one of them is being able to carry over. Yeah, capital losses will continue to carry over for the rest of your life until you use utilize them so um so yeah so let's say one loses sixty thousand dollars now okay does it matter if it's short term or long term uh, possibly not on the loss does it it does because a short-term loss nets against the short-term gain first, first. long-term loss nets against the long-term gain first and then if there's still more losses for one or the other they net against the other kind so, so like, for example, if you know you have a bunch of short-term gains, you'd actually rather, and, and you have long-term gains too, you'd rather have some short-term losses because that will net against the short-term gains. All right. Um, so, yeah, I think he gets the concept. Yeah, I think so. Um, he, he was just confused, I think, at first of like... Well, I mean, if, if, you, if you look at it in a vacuum with one position that you're going to sell outright anyway... It doesn't matter. Right. It's just like doing a Roth versus a traditional IRA. But I mean, so here's in a, a vacuum. It, it's always almost the same because of the math. So here's a real life story, a friend of mine. So they sold out of a bunch of positions in March of last year when the market went way down because of COVID. And then they, they were able to rebalance and buy back in. Over the course of the year, their portfolio ended up much higher at year end than it was at the beginning of the year. Yet they had all these losses and they pulled some money out for living expenses. They paid zero taxes on it because of these losses they harvest. So now you've got a portfolio that's gone up. You took money out and you paid no taxes. That's the whole point of this. Yes. So let's say they had a million dollar portfolio. It's worth 1.3 million at the end of the year, but they were able to harvest $200,000 worth of losses. That, that's right. And they needed a hundred grand. They pulled it out, paid no tax. Correct. That, and that That's what we're talking about. Right. You can't look at all the, any strategy in a vacuum. Right. Right. Um, all right. Well, uh, my money, my wealth will. <laughs> He's going to go back to the episode in contrast to the 10X guy contemplating listening to your show at half the speed just so it can last, last longer. longer. <laughs> nice. Well, stop drinking gasoline, bro. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> Don't let the tax man ruin your retirement. That's actually the name of a recent episode of the Your Money, Your Wealth TV show, which of course I've posted in the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com. Learn about the different types of income tax, taking advantage of capital gains tax rates. More on this concept of tax loss harvesting, deductions, exclusions, and more. Make sure you're subscribed to the Your Money, Your Wealth newsletter so that the latest TV and podcast episodes land right in your email inbox as soon as they're available. Click the link in the description of today's episode in your favorite podcast app to subscribe to the YMYW newsletter and to take control of your taxes in retirement. Mike from Columbus writes in, hello, Andy, Joe, and Big Al. I absolutely love the show. I'm 52. My wife is 50. We would like to retire in eight years. I'm a firefighter. My wife is an RN. Wow. Dynamic duo there. Right. We're completely debt-free and drive a 2008 Chevy Silverado and a 2006 BMW. I'll receive a yearly pension of about $100,000 when I retire. My wife will not receive a pension. I will have approximately a million dollars in the drop account once I retire, tax deferred. Currently, we have the following assets. Got uh, $200,000 in tax-free, five hundred grand in tax-deferred, and $200,000 in a brokerage account. We have combined annual income of $225,000. I am unsure if we both will be eligible to make 2021 Roth IRA contributions. However, I do not have a traditional IRA, so I believe I can deposit the $7,000 in the traditional IRA and then use the infamous backdoor Roth every damn week. (laughs) My wife won't be able to because she has $220,000 in her traditional, and I believe the pro rata rules applies to her. Very good, Mike from Columbus. Yes, you are correct on both those comments. My wife's employer allows her to make contributions to either a 401k, Roth 401k. My employer only allows contributions to the traditional 403b, although I hear they may soon change that to the Roth 403b. We should be able to contribute the max of these accounts, $26,000 to both and $7,000 to the back door. Uh, Finally, my question is finding the best strategy to use these contributions. Should I pay taxes now on contributions that can be made to the tax-free options available? or make contributions to the tax-deferred accounts. When I retire at age 60, I figure we should have approximately two, two and a half millions in our accounts of this, including the million dollars in the drop plan, uh, will be in tax-deferred accounts. I plan to use my yearly pension and supplement with brokerage account uh, and use the rest of the tax brackets to transfer from pre-tax to tax-free accounts. I hope you can follow um, my thought process. In the meantime, For the next eight years, would it be better off filling the bucket with contributions going to tax-free accounts or taking advantage of tax-deferred accounts? Thank you for my question, Uh, Mike. Okay, Mike, Roth IRA, 100% all the way. (laughs) Al, do you agree? I'm going to agree with you on that. No. Because he's got a $100,000 pension. Right. So a $100,000 pension is the same as having a $2.5 million in an IRA. Right. right. Roughly with the 4% distribution rule. And what that means is you take 4% out of two and a half million dollars is equal to a hundred thousand. Or if you wanted to try to create a hundred thousand dollars from a retirement account, you would need two and a half million dollars to do it. Yeah. So we'll start with the two and a half million. So then we'll add the million in the drops and that's three and a half and we'll add another 500,000 deferred. So it's, it's equivalent 
to having $4 million in a, in an IRA 401k, which is a lot of money. You need more diversification. You're in, uh, let's see at this income level, you're probably 24%, 24, barely, maybe even 22. Right. I mean, you're right around and that's a good rate compared to what it has been and probably what it's going to be. So, so Roth IRA eight years, jam hundred percent Roth. I would even convert her IRA into a Roth. Yeah. So you're $225,000. Let's call it $200,000 of income. And they're married. Uh, So he's in what the 24, just touched the 24% tax bracket. I believe it's what 170 grand. Yeah, that's right. Okay. He's got plenty room in the 24% tax bracket. So over the next eight years, I would get all of that 200 some odd thousand dollars out of her IRA into a Roth. I would put a hundred percent of my contributions into the Roth because the pension plus her social security. And I believe, I don't know firefighters um, will receive. So yeah, um, he's got the pension. I'm not sure about Columbus's. Yeah, it depends on the um, county probably. Um, pension plan, but maybe Mike's got social security. Let's just assume he doesn't. She's going to have social security plus the fixed income pension. Um you know, they're going to be in probably the 25% tax bracket once the tax rates revert back. Yeah. And that's, that's if they revert back to what they were going to, will they go higher? I mean, that's possible too, right? Right. So yeah, no, I, I completely agree with that. And, and if she um, converts to the Roth then she can do a backdoor Roth contribution as well. Oh yeah. Another, we got to do the double duty another, backdoor. Another benefit. <laughs> yeah. So much fun. Everyone's doing the backdoor. <laughs> Okay. All right, Mike. Uh, let's see. Appreciate your uh, email. Appreciate your service too. Yeah. How about George? George. George. Georgie Porch. Yeah. Okay. My wife and I have significant retirement investments in our pre-tax bucket. It will look to begin moving some of our assets to Roth once I retire June, 2021. And my income over the next few years will be much lower. We have $300,000 in our Roth IRAs. They weren't thinking about moving these funds into annuities to generate tax-free income stream in retirement. Do we need to worry about any AMT impact in doing this? Uh, I don't know of any AMT issue with that. So I would say no. Yeah. But why are you going to move the money into annuities, I guess? Is... That, that's the bigger question, right? Yeah. I would not probably move those into annuities but if he wants to get a guaranteed income it's in the Roth and it's going to give him tax-free income for Gu- life. guaranteed tax-free, guaranteed tax-free income. it's just that with annuities not I mean in general for downside protection you're giving up some rate of return and you want your highest rate of return in the Roth so I don't I'm not sure why you'd want to do that but that's just my opinion right because <clears throat> you, you, annuities your guaranteed income, your expected or your IRR in those are, are relatively it's gonna, low. It's going to be lower. And you kind of want something that's going to do well because it's tax-free. Right. So something that grows 6% versus right. one and a half. Right. Or whatever. David's got a pretty long one here. I don't know if I want to make this I think you'll be able to read about half of it. I don't know. Break. It's like making my eyes. like just <laughs> Some of it is uh, in italics too. Yeah. I don't know. Every time I see that, I just kind of go, oh, God, is he referring back to something else? Yeah, he's, he's, qu- he's underlining. He's quoting us from uh, Andy's mother's uh, transcript from mm-hmm. our show. Okay, we'll just hold off on that one, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> we have more he's, energy next show. Yeah, he's sourcing, you know, our um, <laughs> our answers. Yeah, that's right. So I um, 
watched a movie last night that kind of reminded me of our listeners. Yeah. It was um, Two for the Money. Two for the Money. Okay. Never heard of it. No. Um, Andy, any nope. takers there? No. It's with um, Al Pacino okay. and Matthew McConaughey. Oh, that would be good. Yeah. It, um, it wasn't that great. To it wasn't that great? No, okay. it was like Matthew McConaughey was like this college football star, and then he snapped his knee, and okay. um, so we couldn't play. And then uh, what? Um, Al Pacino is this TV guy. He, has, he had a studio just like us. Yeah. Okay. A TV studio. Got it. But he was a better. Um, so he would like, hey, call in and so we'll give you si- yeah, six yeah. picks for you know Sunday's games. I thought you were going to say he was better than us. He, he was no. better. I mean, <laughs> no. He bets. He was a gambler. Got it. Okay. Uh, it was a gambling site or a gambling show. Got it. Um, yeah. So people would, you know, trying to make money, listen to this, listen to their um, advice. Right. So, and of course, everyone made a lot of money and then everyone lost a lot of money. Right. The point of my story, Alan. There's, okay. There's a point. There is a point. <laughs> Al Pacino was um, what? Uh, he went to gamblers. Anonymous. Yeah, thank you. I couldn't say that word. He had a problem with gambling. <laughs> so he was not gambling, but he ran this big gambling, you know, um, operation. Sure. It's so Matthew McConaughey comes in and he's picking all the winners. Got it. Right. 13 and 0 one week, 12 and one the other week. And right. he's just killing it. Right. Sure. And of course, so Al Pacino's like, oh, well, now it's hot, man. This guy can't miss. He's the right, the Messiah of gambling. Right. So what does Al Pacino do? Starts, Starts gambling, gambling again. Starts Got gambling it. again. Got it. And what does Matthew McConaughey do? Starts crash. Starts blowing up. <laughs> <laughs> right? Got it. And then this guy is, I mean, it it got. Oh, Jesus. No, no. One that day doesn't sound formulaic at all. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it was it was bad. So it, it reminds me, though, of how people kind of look at their investments. OK. When the market is really hot and, th- you know, hey, let's buy in now. Let's buy Bitcoin. Yeah. Because it's hot. Dorji coin. Right. Whatever coin. <laughs> you know, we get some likes and we get some dislikes. So I don't know. Half of you like the show. Half of you don't like the show. Yeah, which is fine. Which is us. all good. Yeah, yeah. We don't have egos here. Yeah, not really. Yeah. If you got a really difficult question, we we send you to Big Earn anyway. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Oh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, we know financial planning. We know taxes. Uh, so there's some things that we can help you out with. So go to yourmoneyyourwealth.com. Click on Ask Joe and Al on the air. I'd like to hear your voice. If not, cool. Just set, keep sending the emails. Send them our way. Go to the show notes to send us those questions, access the free resources, read the transcript, and share this episode. Big Al versus Mike Schmidt and Dear Joe for John in Abilene, Texas in the derails, so stick around. Your Money, Your Wealth is presented by Pure Financial Advisors. Click the Get an Assessment button in the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com or call 888-994-6257 and schedule a free financial assessment. It doesn't matter where you are in the country. Chances are one of the certified financial planners at Pure will be able to identify strategies that will help you create a more successful retirement. Pure Financial Advisors is a registered investment advisor. This show does not intend to provide personalized investment advice through this broadcast and does not represent that the securities or services discussed are suitable for any investor. Investors are advised not to rely on any information contained in the broadcast in the process of making a full and informed investment decision.
like, yeah, I gotta get into this. Let me buy Rod Carruth's rookie card <laughs> for a million dollars. I got, I got Mike Smith's rookie card. I know you did. Yeah, you get him to sign it. Oh, no. He was kind of an asshole to you, wasn't he? He wasn't. He wasn't that thrilling. Oh, can I say that? Um, I'm not sure if you can or not. I'll take care of that. They'll get bleeped. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> so he was. Uh, I'll just put it this way. He wasn't as friendly as I thought he might be. Yeah. You thought you guys were brothers. I thought we were like twins. We looked the same, but apparently not. Oh, we got to get the picture of Big Allen's bushy mustache. You got to <laughs> throw that in the show notes or something. Yeah. We'll, yeah, give, you yeah. A, we'll give you a framed picture of Big Al. The, yeah. next, the next question we'll read on the air. We'll, we'll get you a framed picture <laughs> and, of, of and I told you, Caterpillar. I, I, he sat right next to me at this golf event. I go... Hey, Mike, I said, a lot of people think that I look like you. And he goes, huh. <laughs> that was his response. Joe, okay, so here we go. Joe, you said on episode 326, you want to start giving random life advice. <laughs> okay. This is the new show. This is my first question. I'm very okay. excited. Yeah, right. So, folks, pay attention here. <laughs> Here's my random life advice question. My mother-in-law smokes, and I do not. She insists on smoking in the car whenever my wife and I travel with her. Notice she, he says, my car. Yeah. Okay. I didn't I didn't know. Is that any significance, you think, there, Andy? Smoking in his car when they're going someplace? Because he probably has a nicer car. I don't know. Bigger <laughs> car. But <laughs> she can't stop smoking. <laughs> How do I tell her not to do it and not start a fight? Interesting. Well, you came to the right place, John. <laughs> yeah, I want to hear what you have to say. Because I come from a long line of family of smokers. Okay, how did you solve this problem? You just start smoking. He's that's, the smoker. That's, that's, that's the advice. You just, my, you just smoke with her. My, no, no, no. My father smoked Palmals. My mom smokes, um, I don't know what she smokes anymore. Marble lights or something. Like okay. That. So we'd go on road trips. That's sitting in the back seat, and it's just like, That's yeah, terrible. my oh, my brother has alopecia, and we kept on blaming my dad because he would blow smoke out. Yeah, alopecia, his hair loss. It has nothing to do with um, cigarette smoke. Got it. So, uh, what do you do, right? Yeah. Um, a couple of things. Okay. Because you don't want to start the fight. No, you you want to keep yeah, peace. So, and yeah, harmony. yeah, happy wife, happy life. <laughs> That's right. Yes. I you think it's his car. It's his rules. This is my question. <laughs> I, I don't know. I think you gotta you gotta suck it up. You just get a little air freshener, roll down the window a little bit, right? And then maybe you just have some rules in regards to when she can, you know, start, you know, lighting the dirts up. Right. Right. It's like if she is she chain smoking back there? I mean, how many heaters is she throwing down? Or is it like, oh, I'm I'm nervous, I'm uncomfortable, I'm sitting in the back seat of, you know, Sean's car. What what do I do? Yeah. I understand he probably doesn't like no one likes to sit in a no. smoky car. No, it's it's terrible. It's it's yeah, it's not it's not pleasant. But I don't know, if you're gonna make the old lady mad, she probably doesn't have much life left. Oh, <laughs> Oh boy. There we go. So so here's here's my thoughts. Well, first of all, you don't have to travel with your mother in law, but that may that may piss off your wife. So that maybe is how do you how do you how do you avoid that? <laughs> well maybe maybe then that's called divorce. Maybe his wife doesn't like it either. So they can say, Mom, you're going to another car. But, Mom, drive another car. <laughs> but see, I guess here's my best answer is have you ever 
talk to somebody about not smoking? Have they ever refused? I mean, if you do it nicely. Hey, I, do you mind if not, um, you yeah, know, yeah. hey, this trip, you know, yeah, I'm not feeling well. Yeah. Um, do you, would you mind if we just kind of hold off? Or you know what? There's a nice little rest station. You know, I'll, I'll stop every hour or whatever, but I would really, I would really, I prefer that you not smoke in my car. Okay, uh, we're driving I, from Philadelphia to the Grand Canyon. Well, I would say, mo- I would say most people would agree with that if you're nice. Sure. Okay? If, you, if you're not, I like your idea about rolling down all the windows. Maybe even wear one of the, the COVID masks. Sure. Right? Why, not? <laughs> Why not? Or if you really want to make a point, get one of those gas masks. As soon as she lights up, stop the car, <laughs> roll down all the windows and put it on. Uh, I mean, I, I think you can, you can ask politely, you know, yeah. but yeah. I, I'm with you. I, I, I think you, you got to buck it up. You just, hey, yeah. can you roll down the window a little bit? Put her in the bike back right corner. You won't even smell it. Yeah, right. <laughs> Have your window open. Right. Whatever. All right. Hopefully that helps. But hopefully I, we get some got, more life advice questions. I got, I got one other. Idea. No, you don't. You're you, done. You could get a snorkel and oh, have God, a snorkel at Do not send questions to Al. <laughs> send them to me. I will give you the proper advice. All right. Thank you, John. <laughs>